0: Um, I mean, what a beautiful new place you got here, and well done, well done, guys. You are taking new ground as a church, and this is because of vision and faith and that unity you spoke of, and I know this is just a home, um, but it's a beautiful home, and what I love the most is the beautiful people that this church is, that meet in this home, that are taking the gospel into this city and beyond. So on that note, I want to share a word, probably a shorter word this morning because of these important moments that are all part of the expression of our worship and and biblical things here. But I want to speak to this morning a word that I believe fits in with what's happening here called the three anointings of David. So open your Bibles to the book of Samuel. We're going to go to three passages briefly, just some verses there, starting in 1 Samuel 16 and then we'll be in 2 Samuel and we've got some notes up here. In fact, before we do that, I do like to show what my family looks like. Can you go back to the first picture? That's Wendy, my wife of 22 years. And we met at first-year students on campus in campus ministry. And we have four children, Rebecca, Peter, um, Matthew. Gabriella turned nine this week. We celebrated her her birthday this past week. And then Rebecca is going to UCT, going to be a first-year student this year, starting in a few weeks' time. And I've got a digs out of house sharing a, a room with, or got a room in a house sharing a house with some other students. And so it's new seasons for us, it's adjusting, and um, I am who I am because of them. And we define each other, and we we just, where I go, they go, where they go, I go. So I want you to know what my family looks like. I also bring you greetings from your church family in Cape Town, Every Nation Cape Town. And in particular, the congregation I serve in, which is Every Nation in One City. And so we've recently gone through the name change. That's been very exciting as well for us. And um, the guys are praying for you all. I sent some pictures back home, and they're praying for you. And um, Okay, so we're ready to pray for the Word. Lord, as we launch out into Samuel, the book of Samuel, we pray that you'd quicken this Word to us. May your anointing flow powerfully. These three anointings of David, Lord, they, may they be imparted on this body here, gathered in your name this morning. And Lord Jesus, may you increase. My goal is to glorify you, is to lift you up and may you increase this morning. And may I decrease, may we all decrease as we, as we in humility come before your word. But Lord, may your word empower and equip us and just expand inside of us with revelation and with inspired action, Lord, that will change the world. That's my prayer today, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen? Okay, so the Multimedia team is just going to follow along with some of those slides and a couple of little points that will be easy for you to follow. But our first scripture is in 1 Samuel 16, and this is the first time David is anointed. I'm going to quickly run through the three times it's anointed, and then I'm going to open it up and and help you to connect with this and apply this in your own life. The first time is this famous story of Samuel coming to Jesse. And remember he's saying, I must anoint the next king of Israel. And he looks and the brothers are brought out, but no David. And Samuel says, none of these are called. And and so the verses in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 16, where it says, The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil. And go, I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. So, fast forward to verse 13, he looks at all the sons and David isn't there and he says, but either, you know, I've missed God or you're not showing me all your boys. And Jesse kind of confesses his actually there is the younger one who's not my favorite, but he's, he's weird, he's a bit different, okay. Um, He sings songs, and he spends time with sheep, and he's not as strong as the others. I don't think he's the natural leader. Sound familiar? Have you ever thought of that of yourself? I think all of us struggle with that. Gee, I'm the least qualified, the least suited for this. But the anointing of God qualifies you. God's calling upon your life. Your unique purpose and design is fit for the role he has for you. And so in verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil... And anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. I want you to see in verse 13 there. It says there that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. That was the first anointing of David. Samuel was anointing the future king of Israel. But David didn't become king on that day. He wasn't being anointed king. This was an anointing of God, a quickening of the call of God, the purpose of God in his life that would put him into a path, a trajectory to become king. This first anointing was actually what catapulted him into the next chapter, because what's in the next chapter? David and Goliath. Can you see in your Bible there? Okay, if you're following on your, on your electronic device, your phone, okay. So this first anointing wasn't actually anointing to become king, it was Choosing a future king, but an anointing to slay giants. And we'll come back to that. Now, the second time he's anointed, and some of us don't know that he was anointed more than once. But we all think that was it. He was anointed, and then he became king, and wow, he won so many victories. And But go ahead to 2 Samuel now. So just turn over a few pages to 2 Samuel chapter 2. And here you see the second time he's anointed. And in verse 1 it says, and it happened after this, that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. And then in verse 4 it says, Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So Saul has died. Israel is now without their first king. And this is a massive change for them. And David is saying, what shall I do? And he says, go to this place called Hebron. Hebron was a place of covenant. It was a place where deep relational bonds were formed. If you read the story of 1 Samuel and, and Chronicles, where you talk about David and his mighty men, Hebron was a significant place for them where they... They made commitments to each other, never to leave each other, never to forsake each other, never to betray each other, to watch each other's backs. It was a place of deep covenant. And and this is a significant thing, that this is where he was anointed the second time. But it's anointing now by the elders of Judah. So he wasn't yet king of Israel. He was now king over one of the tribes, Judah. Now go to chapter 5, and we'll see the third time he was anointed and so, things happen between chapter two and chapter five. There's a new king over Israel, the son of Saul, Ish-bosheth. There's rivalry between the tribes uh, of Judah and the rest of the, the rest of Israel, the rest of the eleven tribes. Um, the king, the the leaders of the armies, Joab and Abner, are at odds with each other. There's a lot of trust issues, and and we'll refer back to some of these. But but then we see this moment here. Where he is anointed, and and um, have we got it up there? Okay, in verse three we see the moment there. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. So the third time he's anointed, he now steps into that. That original prophecy of Samuel when he said, you will be the king of Israel. Now the elders of Israel come and they say, we receive you as our king and we anoint you. And, and there's a third anointing that happens in his life and he then reigns as king over Israel for the next 33 years. Okay, so let's, let's look at, at some principles here. I want to, I really am trusting God that you're going to see and desire in your heart all three of these anointings. Because this isn't just for kings and presidents. This is for every believer. And I want you to see the practice of these things in your local church here. Also out there in the marketplace. Some of us are students preparing for the marketplace. Some of us are already there. And we're working at carrying different levels of responsibility. Some of us may our homemakers here, but we 're engaged in this we 're in partnership with those who are and we 're praying for these things we 're raising the next generation of davids who will go into that first, the second, and the third anointing and so we need to understand how these things operate and, and i 'm trusting God for increase that God is going to enlarge the borders of your spirit as he did in the life of David. so just to explain the difference between these three anointings first a little bit, um, if we could have a look at the next slide here. The first anointing is the anointing to slay giants. Okay? So that, let's add a bit to that. That's the anointing for breakthrough. Let me tell you, there's a breakthrough anointing on this church. You have broken through the last six months. You've got a permanent place of your own. That's breakthrough. Okay, you're taking new ground. You are, you're overcoming fear and, and lack and you are, you're going by faith to places you have not gone before. Goliath was the one who came and paralyzed a whole army, a whole nation. David was the one who stood up and who broke that paralysis. And he slayed the giant. And because of that one breakthrough, the whole people prospered and broke through. So behind your breakthrough, there are a lot of people that are going to benefit. There are a lot of people, other generations in your family, in this spiritual family, in this region, are going to follow through the breakthrough. So that first anointing is anointing that we need to cultivate. We need to stir up. We need to pray for. and, And let me tell you, that didn't just drop on David when Samuel prayed for him and anointed him. It was years in the making. All Samuel did was recognize it. And yes, he did call it forth in a greater measure. But Samuel, he understood that this guy had been with God. This guy was faithful when no one was watching. This young man, David, was looking after sheep when his brothers were having fun. And maybe in places of prominence. And say, look how important we are. And had bigger responsibilities. He had what is considered in his family or his clan a smaller responsibility. Oh, okay, the youngest, you go. Shepherd boy, off you go. Look after sheep. Go and feed them. But in that moment, he wasn't just doing it as like, oh, I feel rejected. No, no, he didn't feel rejected at all. He was close with God. He felt loved by his earthly father. And he did it on behalf of his family. He said, I will do the best job I can. Let me tell you, one day a lion came. Another day a bear came. What did he do? Did he run? No. He fought them off with his own hands. This guy was laying down his life for a little responsibility. How are you looking at the small responsibilities in your life? Are you despising them? Are you kind of, oh, how much time, you know, just when is the next promotion coming? When is someone going to recognize me and give me something, something important to do? Let me tell you, that first anointing is not going to drop on your life until you take a hold of what others despise and, and faithfully care for it. And say, so I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. That is the first anointing at work. That attitude, that character being forged, God looks for that. And He'll overlook those who despise the small things. And He'll give the power to those who don't take it for granted. And may God find that in every one of our hearts. People who are faithful with little. What does the word say? Faithful with little, I make you ruler over much. The next president of our nation might be seated here in this room. And may you be a present who has proven yourself as faithful with little, a character forged over years of obscurity. And then when the anointing comes, and I'm jumping here, that's the third anointing, is the present of a nation. Let me tell you, it won't, it won't, it won't go into the wrong things. It won't go to your head. It won't corrupt your morals because of a, a character forged over years of faithfulness. Okay, so that's the first anointing. The second anointing. Is an anointing, as we saw where Judah, the elders of Judah come and anoint him. This is the anointing to lead in your tribe. Okay, Judah was one tribe. Okay, so, so let me tell you, now there are a few different applications for this. Your tribe, let's talk church, is your local church. It's, it's, it's also more than your local church because we are a church family called every nation. Every nation is our tribe name. Okay. So the first anointing of David is actually, it's like the um, the local church anointing. Okay, but if if you are just a church all on your own, independent, cut off from the body, you're you're not going to be able to achieve as much. And and I, you know I think there's some great independent churches, but I, I believe God is building a body. Okay, and and we as a family, we also we're we're the every nation. Family—that's our tribe name. So you might be Every Nation Durban, but you're part of a Every Nation family in Southern Africa and in 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 the globe. And so there's a there's an anointing to to operate in that as well. Maybe I'll come back to some other applications in the marketplace and in in your own natural family as well. But but the, the obvious examples is you're in the natural in the natural you you have you as are an individual, but you 're also part of a a family that has a clan name or a family a broader tribal name, and that that gives you some of your identity your meaning and you, you there's a lot of relationships that come there there 's a lot of things you learn um, many good things unfortunately sometimes some bad things too and you got to say oh, I, I prefer the way another tribe does that anyway so but you have to you have to wrestle through what what you love about your tribe. And there's an anointing on your tribe. There's a unique purpose. There's a unique destiny. There's a God-given design. And you need to be true to that. And this is something beyond you as an individual. Now. One man was able to slay that giant in the first anointing. In the second anointing, it's a whole tribe now that has to take territory. One man can't take it on his own. It takes a group of people joining together, uniting, organizing themselves well. And so that second anointing will flow. And then the third anointing is the anointing to lead the nation. So this is, this is the anointing to unite the tribes. And, and let me tell you, this is, this is a, an area that, that is not, we don't have enough churches flowing in this anointing. We've got churches and we've got ministries and movements doing well in the first, the second anointing. But that's all they do. That third anointing, let me tell you, is, is the most powerful anointing. That, that's the, where we have to get to. The first, the second anointing are necessary phases and we never stop doing those things. We keep being faithful. You know, David messed up when he stopped being a giant slayer. When he said, okay, you know, I've done this so many years. I've gone to so many wars. It's time for you guys to go to war. I'm staying home. And that was the biggest mistake of his life. Is he thought, I've graduated from the first anointing. I'm now, you know, in the third anointing. I'm leading the nation of Israel and it's all, it's all fine. And, and he, he, he could, should have gone with his warriors to battle. He should have been in the front lines with him saying, okay, not on his own anymore. But uniting, strategizing, praying. Okay, how are we going to take the enemy this time? What do we learn from last time? What's different? Well, let's not rest on all of that. Still cultivating the first anointing. Leading in the second anointing. But not just leading his own tribe. Not just being loyal to one tribe. But building across the tribes to unite the whole nation. So maybe let's, let's go to the next slide on... Maybe as we open this up in church context. Okay, so, for churches. So that first anointing, as I've been saying, is to break through in your own local church. That's an anointing of God. There's a grace of God on every nation, Durban here, that is unique. That no other church can fulfill. And you guys, be, be true to that. It's to reach campuses. It's to make disciples. It's to build multiculturally. There's a unique grace here to break ceilings here. And even even this church is already operating in that second anointing because you multi-site. You've got congregations on the campuses, and here's a new congregation here in the community, okay? And and the way you organize yourself. Okay, so that's second anointing now, but, but it's beyond just now your local church. Now that's the anointing, as I was saying, for the tribe. Okay? So be true to that, be loyal. Um, show up for those gatherings and and pray for plant churches. Let's build a family of churches and let's let's be united. Let's have a common vision. Let's go after it together. Let's serve each other. Let's not just be so focused on the local that we don't see a bigger picture of of a greater world to reach out there. Okay, and, and that there's a big heartedness in this church. That that to be in the second anointing means to be generous. It means to be to be generous with our faith to with our leaders to send leaders out to to not kind of hold on to everyone but to equip and prepare and then to launch. Okay so that that's what the second anointing is all about. But this third anointing as I was saying is one that's not often seen in local churches or even in church movements. And it, to be honest it frustrates me. But it's a holy frustration, okay. <laughs> I, well, I I pray it stays, you know, it's not a frustration that makes me depressed or discouraged. It's a, a frustration that provokes me to prayer, provokes me to go further and beyond. And, and so I thank God somehow through just His unique wiring and destiny that He has, He has set me up to flow in this third anointing as well as the first and the second. And I can taste some of that in your midst. When you had got up and announced, Thursday, we're praying with the whole church of Durban. That's the third anointing, guys. Don't despise that prayer meeting. You are joining hands with the other tribes as the body of Christ. Let me tell you, Judah could not fulfill the destiny on their own. Judah and Israel were not meant to be separated. It was because of man-made issues. It was because of jealousy because of bad leadership, because of arrogance and pride, that they had been divided. And that's why God was grieved. And that's why God had to wait for Saul to die out and then raise up David. Even between David's reign over Judah, to his reign over all of the tribes under that third anointing over Israel, there was rivalry. There was war between the tribes. And it broke the heart of God. There's nothing more grieving to God than war between churches. I mean, I'm going beyond churches now, but in a moment, but but let's just stay on churches here. right? I mean, when we are jealous of each other, when we criticize each other, I mean, we might physically not be at war, but in our hearts, we are saying things that are bad, that hurt, that hinder, that harm people. So let the words bless every church in Durban. And South Africa. Let the words you know, help them to prosper. In fact, let's look for opportunity to be a blessing. To serve and to connect. And that doesn't mean we're unfaithful to our local church. No, we're still faithful in the first anointing. We're committed to our local church. We're proud of it. And we're going to serve there. Our second anointing, we're still not ashamed about the tribe we belong to. And the tribe God placed us in. But it doesn't stop there. That... That, that loyalty doesn't become tribalism. That loyalty doesn't become an arrogance. Oh, we know better than you guys. Oh, we don't associate with you. Oh, you guys are so old fashioned. Oh, our church is one of the new churches. We got, you know, fresh things, revival. Let me tell you. So, many of you know, fees must fall. Student ministry. Okay, we're going through interesting times in our nation. Last year, I was privileged to have Lindor join us on some of the campuses there during the World Conference in Cape Town. And the World Conference, I mean, this is our second anointing moment. We were stirring up that anointing on our tribe globally. But right in the midst of that, we were I think we were on the Thursday of the World Conference. Who was at the World Conference? Okay, can said, wow, okay, wonderful. Well done for making the distance and, and pressing in there. Okay. I gave this man a call to say, we need you at CPUT. And some of the student leaders who were the activists and leading Feasmas forward, one of our campuses there in Cape Town, had, had been we'd been working behind the scenes on a number of fronts. And there was an openness to mediation, to resolve some of the conflict and to find a way forward. And, and we got involved. And do you know what happened in the six weeks that followed is, it was incredible, is we united so many churches in Cape Town to come and pray on the campuses, to serve as peace and justice witnesses, to support the mediation efforts. There was an interchurch group of mediators. We didn't care what church they came from, as long as they were going to do the right thing. You know, not represent self-interest, but really help objectively mediate between management and students. And and let me tell you, it was so good. You know, the churches, there were about in the one march that we went and the students said come will you lead the march we said well we're just here to support you guys we're showing solidarity and support for you and they said no no you're our fathers you're our, you're our leaders lead the march I said okay, if you insist <laughs> uh, maybe they were just strategic in case any rubber bullets were fired it's like human shields <laughs> but it was jokes aside it wasn't that it was really a, a uh, appreciation for those who'd gone before, and do you know, of all the churches there in that march, there were probably fourteen or fifteen different church movements represented by senior denominational leaders. And I was privileged to be counted amongst their number. And and, and we had this group of about forty pastors gathering in a little chapel before the march happened and praying for our campuses, praying for the students. We had some of the university lecturers join us. The the deputy vice chancellor of CPUT was there as well. We got him up there. We prayed for him. To this day, he tells me, he said, that prayer, yo, the way you guys, all of those churches just stood together and prayed for me. He's still living off that prayer as he said to face multiple challenges on his campus and figure out what's the right way to solve this. What, you know, who to listen to, how to build the bridges and, And of the churches that let me tell you, the Anglicans were there in number. The Methodists were there in number. And do you know who else was there in number? Every nation. Every nation churches. Okay. And there were many other churches. I I, you know I I don't want to do the wrong thing by naming churches here, but there were many other churches: Presbyterian, Vineyard, um, Pentecostal ones, Reformed ones. You know, just you know, Congregational churches. But of those three groups, I mean, we had like t- 20 pastors involved. Campus pastors, senior pastors, all over the show. And and so I say the Anglicans and the Methodists, because often we're the guys to say, oh, the Anglicans and the Methodists, oh, they're kind of, you know, they need they need help. They, they need help. <laughs> Let me tell you, we need their help. Yes, maybe they need some of our help too. With how to do an altar call and preach the gospel. Get people saved. People don't get saved just because they're born in a Christian family. Okay, They need that help. Let the gospel be preached in these old traditional churches. But we need their help with issues on social justice. And, and how to build society. And some amazing leaders have come from these churches. And And so I'm so grateful for the third anointing. That is flowing in our church movement. And and it is it is flowing here in every nation Durban. And let it increase here. Okay. We're out of time just about. So I've got to let me let me do one more thing. Let's switch to marketplace. Okay, let's think about this. I hope these points give you. Can we go to the next just fast forward to the church the, the slide on Okay, the three anoints for the marketplace. Okay, can you guys all see that okay? Okay, so some of you are studying for a career, you're already in careers, or as I said, you're raising a generation who's going to be in the marketplace. You need these three anointings there too. That first anointing is the anointing for breakthrough, as I said. So what is that? That means I got a job. Wow, breakthrough. Let me tell you, to get a job today is a breakthrough. Let's not under- underestimate that. Okay, but what are you going to do with that job? Be faithful with it. Your job is to do something good with that, not to just survive, but to grow, to increase, to be a blessing. And as you do, as you're faithful little, God will take you to the second anointing. That second anointing is to make your company or your business profitable, or more profitable and influential. So, so a lot of people get stuck. With, it's my job. This is my yes. No, no, no. You're there to be a blessing. And as Christians, as believers, let me tell you, when God places us in the marketplace, He wants to bless that whole company. You might be the only believer in your in your workplace. Don't say see that as a bad thing, see that as a great opportunity. You're there to to seek the peace and prosperity of the city in that marketplace community. Amen. Okay, so you are to be praying for your leader. You are to be influencing the boardroom meetings, even if you aren't on the board. It doesn't mean you don't, you can't influence. You say, okay, may they make good decisions. How can I serve them? How can I, maybe you are on the board of directors, okay. Now you've, you've already got the second anointing, okay. So someone's recognized your leadership, so use it well. Increase that company. Your job isn't to get a job. Your job is to create jobs for people. Man, we need people with these anointings. And to be a blessing. To live out your faith in the marketplace. If you're not yet on the board or in leadership or maybe it's a company you started. Okay, that second anointing is now when you're employing other people. And you're now establishing a leadership team. And you're growing your market share. That second anointing stuff. You're taking ground with a group of people. And the third anointing is something like in churches you don't see enough of. You don't see enough of this in business either. You see... Just second anointing stuff. Just we want to make us more profitable. Third anointing is when you say, how do we make the nation profitable? It's giving back. It's social responsibility. It's seeing the bigger picture in your industry. Not just seeing them as competitors, but just say, how can this industry play a better role? Not just how can I get a bigger share of the cake of this industry. So it's forming, it's been part of those There's commercial unions. It's being involved in a trade union. And and to look after the interests of other people across the different industries. Okay? So all of these things we need a lot more of in the church and in the marketplace. And we could go into government sectors. The first, the second, the third anointing. We have people. First anointing in politics or government. I got elected. I looked after someone. Someone noticed me and I'm in. Second anointing, I'm in the tribe. What's the tribe? My political party. And it's all about the tribe, isn't it? We need politicians who transcend the second anointing and get into the third anointing. Where it's not just about my party, but it's about our nation. We need that in South Africa. There's an invisible barrier between the second and the third anointing. And we have to break that barrier. And it will take statesman-like leaders. That doesn't mean you betray your party. That doesn't mean you're not loyal to your party. It just means you go beyond. Based on that faithfulness and loyalty, you now say, there's a bigger picture, guys. Why do we have to fight every time over this and be on different sides of the argument? You know, let's agree on a common goal. And how can your party and my party and the other smaller insignificant party agree and all play a part in getting there? That takes a special leader. And I pray such a leader is seated in this room this morning and is going to be prepared like David was over the years and when they get there and that and that those those anointings bless everybody. Bless everybody. We don't need this partisanship. We need we need this uni, uniting of people. Now we can talk culture as well. Culture is the easiest application. I'm an individual. I'm part of a tribe. And often that's where it ends. Let me tell you, there's something powerful when different tribes, different cultures unite. That's the beauty of the church. A church, this multicultural. You know, there's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. We are one. We don't deny our Jewness or our Greekness. Or in South African context, it's our Zulu-ness or our tosa or our whatever it is, the pale tribe, what, I mean, this pale tribe is very confused about where they come from. Anyway, whatever tribe you're in, we transcend that. We say, in Christ, we all, there's a big, there's a body. The body of Christ is that third anointing and we are one. Okay, and we appreciate where we come from. We are, we're rooted in in, our, in history and identity, but our ultimate roots are in Christ. And that helps us fulfill destiny and call. So I want to, I want to pray for that third anointing on this church. Can I do that? Um, Pastor Wayne, would you join me up here? Lord God, I know there are people in, in this order term. right now whose hearts are being stirred. By all means, stand to your feet if you want. Let's stand. Lord God, I just thank you for people who even their hearts are yearning. Just that first anointing. Just a breakthrough. Oh God. Lord God, I pray right now. Just a a release. A a release of that giant slaying spirit. If that's you, you need that just that first anointing for breakthrough. Just raise your hands. Raise your Mm. hands. Lord God, right now, in the name of Jesus, release it over their life. A faith to slay a giant. A faith to take new ground. A faith, Lord, just to break through. Give them boldness, Lord. Enlarge the borders of their spirit. And in the second anointing, Lord, to to lead, to serve with others, to, to build a team. If that's you, you're trusting God for more of His second anointing in your life. You've got some breakthroughs, but now you're needing to work with teams, build teams. If that's you, raise your hands up high. Just raise both your hands. Lord God, thank you for these hands right now. Lord, you know their hearts. So Lord, they're crying to you. Lord, I thank you that you satisfy their hunger. You satisfy their cries. Give them wisdom to build teams. Give them wisdom to be team players. Lord, like David, united his tribe. Lord, give them strategies, Lord, to to solve problems in their workplace. God, in their own communities, in their own physical tribes and families. And I pray, God, that their influence would increase. And I pray that their leadership would emerge. God, I pray that you would protect them from being frustrated if it takes long. But God, give them perseverance, Lord. Give them the ability to go on and on and on. Even if man doesn't recognize them. I thank you, God, that you recognize them. That you are the one who promotes them. And now for that third anointing. I'm, I'm going to ask if we can all raise our hands. Yes, because yeah. some of you as individuals, you're going to step into this thing. And, and I think you know who you are. But as a body, we need this. Okay, Lord, as a body. Lord, I pray for Wayne and Tricia and this This new eldership team that's being set in and expanded today. I pray for a new anointing to unite the tribes. A new new anointing, Lord, to build our nation. To be the bride of Christ in this hour, in this generation, on the campuses, in the community, in the marketplace. Lord God, let the third anointing of David flow on this house. And Lord, let kings arise from this house. Let leaders in the marketplace, leaders in government, leaders on the campuses, let them emerge in this house in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you anoint your people for the calling and purpose that you have established for them in Jesus' name. Can we give God praise for that? Can we just give Him a shout of praise? Thanks, Gareth. Yeah. Yeah. Um.